0: With AWB Contract Templates. That is
1: one of the things that is so hard when you're on a journey of undoing or decolonizing. People say a lot of what we've learned about health and body and food, it's really tough to come to terms with that and have that self awareness of, like, oh shit, none of this was ever created for me. It was created for white people.
0: (laughs) Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to have you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. I want to start off by acknowledging that Pause on the Play is located on the stolen and unceded land of the Susquehannock and Piscatawee people native to this area known as Maryland, USA land that also holds the stories of stolen Black people that were charged to care for this land through enslavement. Today, pause on the Play is a collective that expands far beyond to include the land and locations of its various collaborators and members. Hello, good people. I am... It is cloudy outside, but that's okay. Um, today has been a good day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that. I am sitting here... With my crystals in front of me, I pulled, pulled my cards that reminded me just to breathe. And sometimes that's the simplest thing and sometimes that's enough. So I am hoping for you that you are finding whatever it is that you need that soothes your soul today and that you are finding some type of peace and energy of being at home for you. So today the conversation that I'm having First of all, the person that's here, I and you'll hear me fangirl a little bit. <laughs> I, this is somebody that I've been um completely enamored with their approach for a very long time. But this conversation definitely didn't disappoint. And the interesting part about it is is that, you know, we've had conversations around um health before. But this specific one does go into um kind of some of the myths and the I'ma call it foolishness and fuckery in this here dancery of diet culture. So that's a little bit of a trigger warning in case for any reason this is something that is difficult for you. I do want to acknowledge that it is a reference. We don't go deep into um diet culture as a whole, but I do want to reference that it is there. But we go into, you know, Really, what the truth is around our bodies, the truth that we're fed around our bodies, and why we can't feed ourselves the cultural and seasoned foods that we deem the ones that we so choose to indulge in and still be able to find health. So, there's not a better person uh, to be able to really dig into this than Delina Soto. And I'm going to tell you again if you have not taken in her content on Instagram, like what are you doing with your life? <laughs> because there's just a lot of of truth and just honesty around this woman who wants people to be reminded that they can connect with their cultural foods. They can find health that isn't necessarily determined by size, but they also don't have to steep everything in the lie of diet culture and that you have to lose weight and be skinny in order to be healthy, i.e. to be approved of. And so going into this conversation, there's just there's so much here. And I'm so immensely just enamored with kind of where it went. There were book recommendations coming up. It was a lot of laughs. like it was, it was great. So I'll start off by telling you a little bit more about her. Delina Soto, M-A-R-D-L-D-N, is a Latina and bilingual registered dietitian who celebrates eating cultural foods without guilt. Having grown up in a Dominican family, she strives to support and inspire others to build nourishing new narratives that don't include depriving oneself of the foods that connect us to our culture. Through her outspoken advocacy on social media and educational content, Delina has garnered a strong community of over 250,000 followers, and now uses her platforms to actively teach the importance of reclaiming the flavors and foods we love, like white rice, which we talked about today, while educating on how to better incorporate them into our daily lives with empowerment and awareness. Delina has spoken across the country on this topic has partnered with various advocacy groups to co-create campaigns in support of these efforts and most recently was invited to the White House to share her insight with key policymakers. Delina also teaches nutrition and culture at Westchester University. A Philadelphia resident, Delina received her bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences from Penn State University and her master's degree in nutrition education from Immaculate University. So, y'all, without further ado, let's get into it. Thank you so much for being here, Delina, like immensely. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. You. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going to um, just fangirl for a hot second, and I'm going to go back to just being normal for a minute. Um, <laughs> anybody that does not Thank know you. you, I need them to go and to learn more about you. I initially um, was introduced to you and just the way that you educate, support, show up as a whole on Instagram. And I was just like, who who is this? Oh my gosh, she's speaking to my heart. Where where did she come from? (laughs) And I've continuously, vastly continued to appreciate the way that you show up because the consistency of, I said what I said about what I said has been there. (laughs) And that does not always happen. And the fact that you are there to be supportive of Latinas that honestly don't get that when it comes to nutrition and being a Black woman. I was like, wait, she's still speaking to my soul because everything when it comes to health, wellness, or nutrition is extremely whitewashed and steeped in white supremacy culture, which does not support my body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so for you to be like, Mm-mm, we don't have to do that. I was like, for real, we don't? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so... I it's, actually, so <laughs> it's like wait no not none of that and so i actually would love just for a hot second for you to just if there is something about you that you think maybe people don't know that maybe are familiar with you or for those that um don't know who you are yet is there anything that you would start off with just sharing with them
1: i mean i always say i'm not everyone's cup of cafecito like i know that like <laughs>
0: You are mine, just so you know.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, And I say that because I think that automatically, when people hear I'm a registered dietitian, uh, nutritionist, they just assume, like, okay, you're just going to police what I eat. You're going to, you know, bully me into eating all of these foods I don't like. And you're going to ask me to lose weight. Um, And that is like beyond. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do not do any of those things. Um, and I also want to say, like, if those are your goals, that that is amazing, that that's not who I am going to be as your dietitian. And how we say in Spanish, para los gustos, se los colores, which means for your likes, there are colors. You can go find a dietitian that is going to do all of those things for you. That's just not going to be me.
0: And that was honestly kind of the basis of what I found so immensely different and necessary and actually very supportive because I had yet to have really found someone that was not focused in body size. And that has absolutely nothing to do with nutrition. And when you already feel like you don't have the license to make choices with your body, that's hard. Um, I had, Someone that was a trainer of mine. Year, this was forever ago, and I remember showing him a picture of what I looked like when I was nineteen. I was like, "Yeah, I don't ever want to be this skinny again. I look like a lollipop, first of all. <laughs> okay, big old head on this little teeny it's body. lollipop. I look like a. Lo- I was About like, who? I was like, not that right, not the <laughs> past dispenser. Please don't take me back. Oh, and no. and his response to me was, "Why not?" I was like, "Oh." oh, that's a problem. It and, is. And number one, I just didn't want it. So it was just a hard stop at that. But clearly this is the standard that you think I need to aspire to. Clearly this is the aesthetic that would make you feel like you achieved something as my trainer to get me here. But what if that's not what I want? And to be somebody that feels like too often black and brown bodies don't have ownership of their own narratives around their bodies as a whole, let alone what I put in it and what shape it needs to be in or what I am or am not happy with when it comes to it. Like, especially if you literally, as as someone that was enslaved, you didn't own your own body.
1: Mm-hmm. And so like,
0: how does that feed into just that entire narrative of, oh, well, your body is there for me to tell you what it is. You don't get to have an opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it takes a lot of
1: self-awareness, right, for an individual to realize that because we all want to be accepted. Uh, we all want to feel seen and we all want to be healthy. And that is one of the things that is so hard when you're on a journey of, you know, undoing or decolonizing, as people say, um, a lot of what we've learned about health and body and food, um, it's really tough to come to terms with that and have that self-awareness of, like, oh, shit, none of this was ever created for me. It was created for, you know, white people. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> like, it, it was. Um, it, and more, more even than that, it was created for white men um, and how they could have power over us. And it's
0: just, you know... It's a lot. (laughs) It's it's deep to take that in. And so with you knowing how deep the roots of this are, what still kind of prompted you to be like, you know what? I can't not do this. Like, this is the way that I have to approach this. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that, you know, I had this conversation with my friend just this week. She came over and she's like, there's like two types of people. They are smart people and then there's well, there's more than two types, but there's smart people and then there's intellectual people, right? And she said, and this was like something that was I was like, oh my god, this makes a lot of sense because I never thought of it that way. But I always say like my brain doesn't think in the binary, right? And she's like, That's because you're an intellectual. People that are smart only think in black and white. And there's a lot of smart people, there's all yep. kinds of smarts, right? Yep. But they can only see things at the extremes they can only see things at the binary there is no dual, there is no in between for those people that's that's really you know how they can grasp things is by having that tangible yes or no right mm-hmm. intellectuals are different right intellectuals can see <laughs> the in between um and and work in that like middle ground and i think that I feel like I'm going to label myself right now as an intellectual. And the reason why we were talking about this is because we were talking about aliens. And you know, this is going to take a whole new (laughs) turn. Do it. This is not the way this podcast podcast is supposed to go. But think about it, right? There's really smart people out there that really don't think aliens are real. And I'm just like, there is a universe out there with billions. How do you think, right, that you can sit there and say, we are the living thing not even humans just living thing out in this vast universe and she said to me we have an ocean we don't even know what's down there you think that we don't know what's down there but we definitely don't know what's up there and i'm like exactly like and and we can say like right? we can sit here and say like there are smart people that will tell you that this is not true and you know they're smart as heck right right But they can't because they can't see it, because they can't touch it, because it's not tangible to them, they cannot believe it, right? So when it comes to diet culture, when it comes to food, right? Because they read the books, because they learned the things, that is the only thing that they can see. They can't see the connections, the like ligaments, like all of the things inside that created that. Uh, because they're just so far removed from the middle part and they're just looking at the ends, if that makes sense. Um,
0: it and so it's really hard
1: sense. for people, right? It's really hard for people.
0: But that's, well, and if that's the case, I'm going to go ahead and label myself an intellectual as well because I'm like, How? Yes, you are. I'm like, yes, you are. What do you mean <laughs> you don't yeah. think, first of all, what about you thinks that you take up so much space? that everything starts and ends here and that there's Mm -hmm. no other possibilities. There's Mm -hmm. no other layers, extensions or just all of it. I'm like, that's it? Like you, yes, yes. Y'all will go on, I don't know how many tangents to talk about ancient Egypt and be like, oh, it's not this. It's not that. To think that this one planet in this vast universe that we don't know everything of, that all of a sudden, that the limited knowledge that we have, that we've acknowledged is limited, but it can't go mm-hmm. be, it can't be something else. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Who the hell told you? that nothing exactly, of- and then,
1: no, you know. And and then we think about bodies, right? Why is it that we have to think that only skinny is healthy, and satin can healthy? And I use fat because you know, fat liberationists want to you know take that. Negative, away from that word, right? Like right. fat is not a bad thing, um, and people use it as a derogatory term, right, to call people out out of their names, out of pocket, right? Like just to be mean about it. Um, and so, you know, we we can say bigger people in bigger bodies. We can say just you know, um, you know, not the standard, whatever you want to call it, right? Oh, right. <laughs> but people come in all different shapes and sizes, and and to sit there and say that there's only one way to
0: be healthy. How um, does that make sense? No. It it, it doesn't, doesn't it doesn't make sense for first of all innumerable reasons, but part of the reason that it doesn't make sense is because to say such a linear statement is mm-hmm. to make the false correlation that people are all singularly linear. Yes. Our bodies only do one thing, they only respond mm-hmm. to every food in the same exact way in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. not true. And so if nothing but that whole piece of like, how do you feel when you eat certain foods? Well, it's not the same for everybody. So why would we Mm -hmm. assume that how our body is going to process it, how it sits or doesn't, and how we literally just like, do I feel good? Do I feel like trash when I eat this? Does Mm -hmm. this actually bring any nutrients to me. Does my body know how to break this down? Which is Mm -hmm. the next thing I'll go into with you, but like that's not addressed. And so when you don't allow for there to be space beyond the binary to treat people like an individual and you don't want to acknowledge that everything that you're doing is simply based on one singular binary that as you said, is really only created for the approval of white men.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So you already don't want to call a spade a spade. And you want me to buy a deck of spades too? How about not? Come on. And I think it's important to also remember that when we say that everybody, that
1: we could have health at any size, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be healthy, right? There is... This idea that we're that when people talk about health at every size, there's an idea of like everybody saying, well, it just means that everybody's just gonna be healthy. And I think it's important to understand that when people think of healthy, they think of it as a moral thing, as in like people owe me and you health. They don't. What we owe them, or what I owe them as a healthcare professional, is dignity and respect. That is the difference. It doesn't matter what size they are. My job as a healthcare professional, our job as a society is to treat people with dignity and respect. It doesn't matter whether they're healthy or not. It doesn't matter their size or not. We need to help them find what health means to them. And I think that that's the difference where people get so caught up, right? Where they're like, well, that person's not healthy. And why why the fuck do they owe you that? Right. Nobody asked you. Nope.
0: Nobody asked you. You don't have but a don't lot. laughing
1: a lot at this time?
0: <laughs> Nobody asked you. Nobody was seeking your opinion. Nobody needed your validation. So interestingly enough, I've had a lot of conversations lately, and some have been with my friends that are therapists, and it's around the difference mm-hmm. between acceptance and approval. Yes, sir. And there's this misconception that there are people out here that are asking for approval from people that they didn't ask for shit from. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask for you to approve of me. I didn't ask for you to give me your blessing and to say that I have the right to exist. That's not up to you to take away because you didn't give it to me. And so that entire piece of wanting to constantly approve or disapprove, disapprove of something that is really not in your lane to do that. That unfortunately goes into what people want to approve of or disapprove of when it comes to food, because they love to be Mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't eat this or don't eat that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, stop. And for anybody, (laughs) again, anybody that has not taken in Delina's content, I'm going to need you to go do it, if nothing else, but for the right white, right white rice (laughs) conversation that I need you to just go take in that because I get real tired (laughs) of hearing it. And I love the fact that you like, y'all, I'm tired of hearing this and I'm going to say it again stop
1: yeah I had to say at least once a (laughs) week
0: and I don't and so this is what gets on my nerves because then we have this entire piece again of how the system really was set up to exclude cultural foods and ancestral Mm -hmm. foods and so Mm -hmm. now you are vilifying people based on who and how and what they are which is a whole nother Mm -hmm. level of this and so Mm -hmm. based on the lens through which You do what you do. Can you kind of give me what your viewpoint is on the differences, I guess, of cultural foods and ancestral foods or similarities and where that needs to be embraced way more than what it is?
1: Yeah. So I think it all goes back to the fact that people, you know, I was born in the United States. I was raised in the United States. I went to public school here. I went to a state university. Like my whole education revolves around the American line. Right? And what we don't realize is that the United States has created their own sets of guidelines when it comes to nutrition, just like every other country in the world has. But for some reason, we are hell-bent on saying that there is only one way of eating in a country that is so diverse, a country of immigrants. <laughs> right. <laughs> like and so we have created these nutritional guidelines that do not bully, right? When when the person that is not educated in nutrition, when the person is just looking at it at face value, they're just going to see one way of eating. As a dietitian, I'm looking at it from a science place, right? As in like, these are the food groups you need. These are the nutrients that you're getting from these food groups. And these are the foods that are going to provide you those, right? But when you look at those lists that they're providing to you, they're not going to have our indigenous foods. They're not going to have our ancestral foods. They're not going to have the foods that you probably grew up eating with your grandma. right? Because they didn't call her and ask her what she was eating when they were making these guidelines right? They made these guidelines based on what they assumed the Americans were eating, and who did they consider American?
0: Mm -hmm. That right there. Okay, so
1: (laughs) we we have to sit there. And again, I am not bound, I'm bound to the nutritional guidelines. I believe in the nutritional guidelines. I believe you need to be getting your vitamin D you need to get your iron, you need to get your protein, you need right. to get your compound, you need to get your fat. You need to get all from a macro, right? If we're looking at a, 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 we're pulling up the lens and we're looking at the nutritional guidelines as a whole, yes, I believe in those guidelines. What I don't believe in is how they just narrow up to certain foods that they believe are good, right? Right. So like when we think about white rice, the global majority eats white rice. And I've asked, I've asked on my TikTok, I've asked on my Instagram, I've asked multiple people in the space from other countries, what culture do you know eats brown rice? Like as a cultural dish, something that they took and created.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fully using brown rice and nobody can give me an answer we use wild rice we use red rice there's like 500 different yep. types of rice variations but nobody actually uses brown rice and that's because brown rice is actually white rice
0: <laughs> with the <laughs> bran on it that's, that's it. it like that's, that's it and And so, notice is actually this thing. You just put, you just left a layer of clothes on it.
1: You just, exactly. Right. And so, we take that layer off because it's easier to digest. It holds flavor better. Right. It's easier to cook. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's worse for you. And so, the US has this idea of like everything has to be whole grains. Which that is not what the recommendations say. The recommendations say fifty percent of your day should be whole grains, but the people interpreting those recommendations want to tell you that you can only eat whole grains. That's the difference. Right. So if if we look at you know, for instance, the Mediterranean diet, which is what they taught all day every day. Oh, boom! That's the best way. That's the best way to eat. Okay, but we're the African countries. Where we're the Arab countries. Because all of their countries are in the Mediterranean too. And you know what they're eating? White rice. You know mm-hmm. what French are eating? White rice. You know what the Greek are eating? White rice. where that brown rice come from? Because they ain't eating it. Nope. <laughs> but it's coming from the fact that it's like a whole grain, right? Because a right. whole grain, it's supposed to be the whole seed. Right. Well, we mill the rice or we process the rice because that brown shell don't taste right. Don't hold flavor. It doesn't. And so our ancestors were smart. <laughs> they were like, "Let me just let me just take this off. Let me polish this rice real quick." Okay. Let me let me let it absorb some flavor. Right. And now we can, we I, I I've been told there's there's dishes um, in Asia that mix white rice and brown rice. Right. Um, but there isn't any there isn't any dish. That someone could say, yeah, I grew
0: up only eating brown rice, unless you're American. And the interesting thing is, is I feel like with the whole rice conversation as a whole, because of all of the mainly unfortunate situations that I've had mm-hmm. around nutrition and wellness over the years, one of the things that I felt like never actually got addressed was the the kind of individuality of what my body is going to do with something and where mm-hmm. inflammation would show up, where stress mm-hmm. would show up, um, how things like hypertension might show up because of nutrition, because of a lack of information around it. Mm-hmm. But it never took into consideration anything around Like, hey, I'm a black woman and you white man might not have the same thing happen to your body that I do. That never came up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That never came up. And so it was just simply, oh, you need to lose weight as opposed to, okay, if inflammation is showing up, let's figure out what it is. As Mm -hmm. opposed to, oh, you eat too much rice. You eat too much Mm -hmm. this. You eat too much that. Or Mm -hmm. you don't eat enough, whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. y'all just set me up for failure. Always. And I think people don't realize like when,
1: and the girlies be out here talk about inflammation. Let's, let's make this abundantly clear. When we talk about inflammation in the medical setting, we're not talking about inflammation as the girlies are talking about on TikTok. They're two different things. When we're talking about inflammation in the medical setting, we're talking about like an overproduction of cortisol. It's like a chronic stress that is now affecting our organs right? You, you eating white rice ain't going to do that.
0: No. No. And okay. The, but that's the thing. If you're talking to me about something as simplistic as rice with somebody like myself mm-hmm. that has Crohn's, how much mm-hmm. shit did you skip over? Just exactly, to to because Crohn's, Crohn's an inflammatory disease. They, that is go. a
1: chronic autoimmune disease, disease right? right? That is something that your body it's attacking itself almost, right? It's an autoimmune. Mm-hmm. Crohn's is different, right? But you see all these women out here on TikTok say, "Well, you gotta drink this green juice. You gotta
0: go mm-hmm. gluten free. You gotta go dairy free. You gotta no. go everything free. Basically, just, just, just take in the air, you just air and water, air and raw unseasoned collard greens." Oh, right. Listen.
1: Okay, and then then you're wondering why do, why do I feel like shit? Why am I not feeling better? Because that's right. causing more inflammation. When you're undernourished, you're causing inflammation. Your body's in a chronic state of stress when you're under eating because it's trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Why am I not getting nutrition? And I always say it takes, do you know how much privilege you have to have to purposely starve yourself? Because there are people in this world, okay? There are people in this world that don't have the luxury to eat. And there are people out here purposely starving themselves in the name of health. And that's how more like we just talk about social determinants of health here, right? Because there are people that are going hungry, right? There are people that are on food stamps that will have enough food at the beginning of the month, but then have to restrict at the end of the month. And that yo yoing, that constant back and forth is a stressor. So we're talking about Black and brown communities and we're talking about health we need to talk about the fact that it's not the same No. okay there's micro stressors all freaking day right i live in philadelphia i'm sitting in a building in philadelphia right now next to city hall city hall workers i've been told some of them make seven dollars and 25 cents an hour that's the minimum wage okay and,
0: it's and not you're a living going to tell me
1: anybody that does it not living living rage and there's an organic supermarket underneath me do you know how much blueberries cost at that supermarket too damn much. Probably $10, 13 <sighs> That means that that worker has to work two, three hours before they can afford blueberries. But they can go across the street to the Wendy's and then get a whole ass meal for $10. So, so don't fucking sit there and tell me right that people are making themselves sick because of the food that they're eating. No, the systems in this country are making people sick.
0: So- The interesting piece about that is I think number one, like that whole like I think you called it Michael Stressor. That that whole thing of like constantly it's like here's another thing, here's another Mm -hmm. thing, here's another Mm -hmm. thing. All these things. Mm -hmm. If you Can you put DJ Khaled in there? There's another one. one. another one. Another one. (laughs) Another one. one. And another (laughs) one. (laughs) (laughs) Could that be the meme? (laughs) Right. And another because if you don't go through it, you don't know, but when you do, you're like, girl, Mm -hmm. yes, I do know. Yeah. I know real well. And I remember years ago when I read um, Hood Feminism and it broke down. <gasps> I was going to bring the book up. Yeah. That whole issue of when they were like, oh, we're taking sodas out of schools and all Instant. this stuff. Oh. And then to oversimplify this chapter, but mm-hmm. then it was like, wait, we're going to talk about the sugar in sodas, but we're not going to talk about mm-hmm. the sugar in your uh, Starbucks frappuccino. I was like, Ooh. Mm-hmm. wait, wait, wait. Because I remember and when and I was like, I was like, oh, that seems like that should be a good thing. And then when I read that, I was like, oh, well, shit, that's not a good thing. And in talking to a friend of mine who does live in Philly when there was an issue with the water, when you specifically were like, don't let anybody shame you if you drank soda or if you drank juice, because that is the type of thing that will make somebody feel lesser than when it is no fault of their own. I didn't do this. I didn't answer for this. I'm doing the best I can with what I have access to, with what you decided I could have access to. So let's also be clear about the fact that that person making seven something dollars an hour at best and how Mm -hmm. overpriced them daggone blueberries are. Mm Y'all said that y'all created that foolishness. That Mm -hmm. is structural. You
1: want to talk about healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. Mm Not ours, but then we have people that are out here. Like I heard, parents that come into my office who are afraid to give their kids milk. They're afraid to give their kids conventional food because there are so many people out here spreading so much misinformation on almond milk is best and organic is the only way to eat. And I'm like, almond milk is literally almonds that have been squeezed and you're drinking water. There is no nutrition in that. And And listen, I love myself you know, an oat milk latte. I love myself, you know, almond milk and certain things. But when you are struggling and you can buy a gallon of milk for $4.25 and give your kid seven grams, eight grams of protein, right. you can give them, you know, fat, you can give them carbohydrates. And yes, yes. I, and listen, I know that politics play a big role in this. And I know, right? Right that the U.S. has a big problem with the way that we, at, we have agriculture. And I know that milk is forced upon a lot of people. And I know that 60 to 70% of the, the world is lactose intolerant. I know all of these things. But what I'm saying is, why are you shaming someone for doing what they can with what they have? That part. That okay. Part. Because we already talked about the binary. And the right. binary thinking is, there's only one way my way or the highway, without noticing that, listen, I can drink milk. My body produces, you know, lactase. I can house down 12 ounces of milk right now. I ain't going to the bathroom. I'll be all right. But don't don't tell me that I can't have milk just because you don't want to have it or don't like it. Right. There is a place where we can all eat and live the way that we deem okay for ourselves, without shaming and guilting the other
0: person. So I think part of that is us having to reclaim that we have to make these decisions for ourselves because clearly we yes. can't trust you know, the masses to do it for us, especially because there's so many things that are not clearly being communicated in those conversations. And so if you are addressing what happened to be ancestral or cultural foods that are actually beneficial for you, Regardless of what people want to tell you, there is a place of you having to kind of, number one, take the, you know, self-permission to actually eat those foods. But to actually sometimes, unfortunately, do the research of like, but I don't know what they are. Because for some of us, we can guess what the ancestry is, but we don't always know. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know, if nothing else, you know what it's not. And it's not this... (laughs) Not the foolishness that you have been told this is what you have to do.
1: And you know what? You can make your own ancestral foods. Why can't you make your own new culture, like your own new traditions? Right. Right? You're like, right. I think that for me, it's a little different. I'm Dominican, right? I I know my foods. I think I'm leaving to DR on one day. I know what to eat when I get there. I know my food. Um, I know my ancestral foods. For not, that's not the case for everybody, right? It's reconnecting to that culture. But I think it's also important to do it from a place where it's not in the binary. Like if you're watching a documentary, but they're not telling you both sides of the story, that's a problem. Right. Right? Because I think that, you know, it's, it's just disheartening because a lot of people do want to go back, right? They want to go back to the way that we eat, you know, in an ancestral way, but the information that's out there isn't always correct. No. And also our ancestors were doing what they could with what they had as well. And now we have modern technology. So things might be a little different too. And that's all right. right. But I think that like, it does take a little bit of discernment to figure it out. Like if it's, if
0: it's too extreme, If it feels too binary, it's probably not it. Right. And I think what you said is 100% accurate because even if you do know, you don't always know what it is from a familial perspective. And so if you're taking Mm -hmm. in traditional information, you do have to use that discernment of like, okay, this is what you're telling me. But like you said, is this giving me more than one side of it or are you only giving me the one that you want me to believe? Mm -hmm. And having to figure Mm -hmm. it out from there because, you know, like for me, I don't know what lineage is farther back. I know Black American and Black American is whatever Mm -hmm. you decided you didn't want. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if I take in information, then I have to use my discernment to decide how much of this feels good based on what I can remember of when I've had something or not had something? Or if I choose to experiment, does this feel like it helps? Does this feel like it hurts? Does this make a difference in if I take a walk, do I feel better when I come back? Or do I feel like trash? <laughs> so I think sometimes it it does tap into that place of that individual permission giving of trust your own intuition and body to tell you what your truth is and not always seek somebody else to validate it for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think like, for
1: instance, like people have, you, you just, you know, you said you have crowns. You can't be out here eating everything and everything, even if your ancestors exist. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? like it's, it's a really hard place to be It in, in the sense of like, you have to do what works for you. Right. But I also always say like, we can also learn from other cultures, right? I, again, I grew up Dominican, as, as Dominican as you can be, right? Um, living in the United States. But I love Thai food. I love, you know, I, I love Asian food. I don't know how to cook it. I don't Listen, I am not going to do those people a disservice by messing up their food, okay? <laughs> so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have that food in a traditional way. From that, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy all of the seasoning, which we could have a whole another conversation about that. Um, oh, yeah. We- <laughs> mm. Okay, look, I will say, I will plug something in. If you have not read the book Fearing mm-hmm. the Black Body,
0: have you read this book? Because you read Hood Feminism. I'm like, wait, Fearing the Black? Okay, is you this haven't going on the, the, the black list black right body? now?
1: Okay, so after you're done this podcast, you're going to read this book. Okay. Uh, and your mind is going to be blown, everybody who listens to this. Um, is it's dr sabrina strings um she's in la she did a phenomenal phenomenal job i believe she goes back to like the 12th century like it's wild wild um Mm -hmm. and she goes back and she and she talks about diet culture and she talks about you know how we have come to fear fat bodies but more important black bodies like why do we fear black bodies um, and and so your mind is going to be blown, um, and I say this because she talks about why um, why uh, why people don't the food.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't understand. I don't, you want to tell you real quick. You want to tell you the, the cliff real quick. Do
1: okay, it. okay. So the so the cliff break, because the ongoing you know joke opens over- <laughs> on like TikTok and stuff. It's like, oh, you know, they colonized all these countries with spices, but then, you know, they never used the spices, but they did. The The monarchy was using the spices, and then once it was disseminated to the masses and everybody had access to the spices, they needed a way to differentiate themselves from the lower classes. And so they started using things like being more natural, being closer to its original form, having less flavor, so that they could differentiate themselves from the lower classes who were eating, you know, spicy foods, you know, full of sleep and things like that. It was a way to be elite. And we see that a lot in the wellness world now, right? Like how do people stay elite? <laughs> By doing things that the commoners don't want to do um, or can't afford to do. And so that's where it started. And that in the U.S., it really has to do with like the Kellogg family And, like, the Graham family, all those people that started, like, your cereals and your Graham crackers, um, they believed they were part of a a religion. (laughs) And they believed that uh, having food, um, having bland food um, helped you undo unpure thoughts. So, basically, if you had food that tastes good, it would make you, you know more promiscuous and do bad things and so they developed a bland food diet in order for you to be more pure um but to them purity was for the white woman right so that they could procreate and create the perfect race anyway just read fearing the black body and that oh, was just my God. cliff notes there was so more to that there's a lot more to that and,
0: and
1: that's just the cliff notes <laughs>
0: the funny part <laughs> is you can't see my face i'm like well then I'm I be I'll be a heathen. Give
1: me my thing. Okay. The thing is, right, I said it in a very like gentle way. I could have said it way worse, but you know. I, I was trying not to be funny because when I talk to people I say other things and it crack them up, but I was trying not to do it. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, it's real. Like I, And there keeps being this picture going around online. I'm like, what is this pot of, as you call it, perfectly cooked and ready in 20 minutes, white rice and chicken, and it's all the same color? Where is the seasoning? Oh, it's just black pepper and, and salt. That thing, and then he had that on it. Okay, it ain't not even the it.
1: Listen, oh. just read the book. I can't even. We could
0: spend like three episodes on that book. That part. And I'm, ooh, ooh <laughs> it's on the list. It's already happening. It's already happening because yeah. that. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you feel like we didn't touch on that nice. you want people to be aware of or be like, ooh, wait, 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 girl, I got to say this.
1: I always say, when people ask me, like, what's my nutrition philosophy, I always say, instead of taking away, add. Like, why are we always so focused <sighs> yes. on what we can take away? No, you can always add nutrition. You can always add nutrition. And that's what I want you to think about. Like, how can I add nutrition to this? And when I say add nutrition, like, make sure it tastes good. Like, I don't want you to just add kale because you think it belongs. If it don't belong there, don't add it. Right. Because then you're not going to eat it.
0: Like, add it because it tastes good, that part. (laughs) (laughs) Child. I child. Again, I could continue on. And... I want to make sure that we are respectful of the listeners and readers time and yours. So last thing I'll say is as people have taken in this conversation, which I have fully been here for, and I'm immensely grateful for, is there any one particular thing that you would like them to take away um, for consideration or to go take action on?
1: Yeah. I mean, you could definitely go follow me
0: on Instagram. Um, you know, I have various ways that you could
1: work with me. I have a membership. Uh, I have groups that happen quarterly. Um, and then I have some like, you know, classes that you can take as well. And then I'm writing a book. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll, you know, learn when my book publishes.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. And again, everything will be inside of the article so that you can go ahead and check Delina out. But go ahead and drop the website and the Instagram handle so that they know where to get you in TikTok if you feel so inclined. Sorry, I forgot to do that. Um, It's your Latina Nutritionist on all of it. And it's (laughs) your There we go. There we go. Y'all go buy that book. Go follow Delina. Learn more about her. Highly, highly recommend. And again, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, Yo, I could have laughed all day. <laughs> I could have just laughed all day with Delina because the conversation in itself was good. And I appreciate that part where we talked about the difference between being smart and being an intellectual. And I think that there's a lot of truth there because being able to think beyond the binary and to know that there is more that exists beyond the answers that you already are aware of and know to get you know to be true there's so much more there and that space of what else is possible what else what else what else there's so much there and it makes me think of the the line that you know magic is only science that hasn't yet been proven and the reality is is that there are many things that won't be proven in the way that we need things to be proven. And they are still magical. They are still necessary. They are still valid. And they can and should thrive. Feel free to embrace all the magic that you need in order to feel like you are being your best self, period, point blank. So again, if you have not already been aware of her content, please check her out, follow her and Fearing the Black Body, go check that book out. The link for it, getting it through bookshop.org is inside the article. So as always, y'all for showing up, taking in these conversations, laughing along with us for doing that. <laughs> I just want you to know. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being here. Every single time that we show up here, having these real conversations so that we can normalize the challenging things and make them a part of our everyday exchanges. We're a part of making the beneficial changes for ourselves, those around us, and those that we seek to support. And for that, I thank you. Together, this is how we can continue removing stigma and creating real change and connection while crossing lines and recreating boundaries to support, not separate. Let's get more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye.